Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You keep hoping and hoping and hoping that if you do something right, if you find the magic formula, if you say or do or make yourself smaller or larger or different or quiet or aggressive or passive, maybe something will change with the difficult, toxic person in your life, the hijackal. Today, I'm going to introduce you to an idea that tells you why you cannot change that, why it's not your job to change it and you cannot change it. And that is about the forms of attachment that the hijackal created very early on in life and you cannot change them. So I hope that you will listen in very, very carefully because this can make you understand why it is not something to feel guilty about when you want to leave and you think you've done all you can. You probably have. You're tired of being blamed. Everything is your fault and it's not true. And today's show will tell you why. So stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity, help for handling hijackals, those difficult, toxic, and often disturbing people in your life. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I'm here for you. You'll get the insights, skills, strategies, and support to stop tolerating verbal and emotional abuse, whether it's happening now or it happened to you in the past, maybe by a parent, partner, ex, relative, or even a co-worker. Time to take life back, to recover and to rediscover you, your values, dreams, desires, and realize them in healthy ways in healthy relationships. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome. I'm glad you're here. And today I'm going to talk about something that maybe you've thought of as quite um theoretical, something you may have thought of as not needing to know about, something that only psychologists need to know about it. But I really want to share it with you today because it's so much more than that. It's something that will help you understand why much as you might want to, much as you desperately believe that you could or should be able to do something that will cause a relentlessly difficult, toxic person, a hijackal, someone who behaves like a narcissist, psychopath, sociopath, histrionic, borderline, why you really, really wish you could help them change or help them see a need to change or could actually um, affect that change. And there are really good reasons why you can't and that investing an entire lifetime in trying is not actually going to help. And what I want to talk with you today about is what's called attachment. And attachment is all about whether or not we see ourselves as uh, moving toward people or away from people or are anxious about people or we don't want people around us at all. And this happens when we're quite young. And that's why you'll read about it if you do it all. It's called attachment theory because it happens when we're quite young. And that's where the foundation of this behavior is installed. And so it had nothing to do with you, of course, because you weren't there when this person was learning these behaviors and experiencing the world. 
And so because you weren't there and you weren't there in the formative years of their life, the idea that you could do anything to change them now is very, very hard to imagine. <clears throat> now, of course, hijackles are on a spectrum. Some hijackles are just hijackles occasionally. And then others are hijackles all the time. And others are hijackles with an intent to destroy. So there's a whole uh, spectrum of ways that they behave. Now, don't jump in and quickly say, oh, mine is, mine is just sometimes. You know, it takes some assessment to know all of that. But no matter what, attachment played a part in it. So there are basically four kinds of attachment that are created in our first couple of years or so of life. And I'm going to talk to you about them so you understand what they are and how that can possibly affect a child. And then know that children with their brain growth and the different stages of brain growth they go through, when this is put into their brain when they're very young, it gets into the neural pathways and understanding and and their understanding of how the world works and how they're safe and when they're not. And this is the foundation of who they are. So we we attach or don't attach when we're tiny. And some researchers go so far as to say that that attachment is created in the first seven months, maybe as early as seven months old. And it starts even earlier than that. It starts at how did our parents prepare for us? Were we wanted? You know, my, my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Gary Salyer, wrote a book called Safe to Love Again. And in there, he talks about attachment, but he also talks about how important it is for a child to feel welcomed by joy. You know, was that person that you're having difficulty with now welcomed by joy? Well, you may not know that, but it would definitely have an effect on them. So... How does all this work? Well, parents who were emotionally available and perceptive and responsive to us when we're babies, that they were able to meet our needs and, our, and read our mental states, they could read our signals well, they had infants who are for the most part what we call securely attached. They want to be close to their parents that they're okay from being away for a bit because they know, deeply know in their bodies that their parents are safely theirs and there for them. And so they create what's called a secure attachment. Now, if you want to look all this up, you can read it. It's documented in something called the Strange Situation Study with Babies. And I'm going to give you just the sort of quick notes about all of this so that you can have a clear picture and it will help you understand perhaps what's going on within you and what's going on within your relationship with the hijackal. So most 55 to 65% of babies, it's suggested, 
Um, they have the secure attachment. Mom and dad are good. They're good. Um, Mom and dad wanted them. They recognize their needs. They're there for them. They're emotionally available. The baby feels good. The baby feels safe. And the baby is what we call securely attached. But then there are parents who are emotionally unavailable and they're unperceptive and maybe even go so far as to be rejecting or unresponsive and neglectful. And those babies that have parents like that, they end up with what we call avoidantly attached behavior, avoidantly attached. And in that study with the strange situation, the baby study, when the parents were, were away from them and they came back, the babies kind of ignored their presence because they were used to being ignored themselves. They were avoidantly attached. And so they didn't even seek out the parent to find the closeness because they knew it wasn't available to them. This is tiny babies, little people, two years old, one and a half years old. And so what we learn in the research is that 20 to 30 percent of babies actually fall in this avoidantly attached um, category. And then there are others, parents who were inconsistently available, inconsistently perceptive or responsive, and tended to intrude their own states of mind onto their children, they created what is called resistant or ambivalent or anxious attachment. And the babies are anxious. They're not easily soothed. And they don't settle down and play after their parents come back. And they aren't excited to see their parents. They're still anxious when their parents have gone away and returned because that was all part of the study. So 5 to 15% of babies are thought to be in the category of resistant, ambivalent, or anxiously attached. Now the last category are parents who were frightened or frightening or disoriented in their communication during the first year of life tend to have babies that show what we call disorganized or disoriented attachment. They don't know what to do when the parent goes away and comes back. Maybe they they are so disoriented and disorganized in their attachment that they'll just turn in endless circles or they'll walk toward the parent and then walk away or they'll freeze or they'll go into a bit of a trance. And in those cases, um, in the study, it happened 20 to 40% of the time. But when children are mistreated, disorganized attachment is found in the real world up to 80% of the time. So just an overview of attachment and how that actually comes into play. So you're hearing some things there that say, oh, well, that sheds some light on it. I know the hijackles parent. 
I know the hijackal situation. I know things that have happened to the hijackal. Now, careful, careful, careful. Just because you can see patterns and understand them doesn't mean you can do anything about it or you should do anything about it or it is in any way your responsibility. It is not. And I really want to make that clear. This is Understanding this is separate from things you can do something about. This I'm sharing this with you today to help you understand that these things happened to these hijackals when they were young, long before you had any effect or presence in their life. So there's a wonderful book called The Developing Mind by Daniel Siegel. And he wrote this. I want to read you exactly what he said because it's so good. He said, attachment theory suggests that the pattern of communication between parent and child has shaped the way the child's attachment system has adapted to the experience with the attachment figure. In this way, the genetically pre-programmed inborn attachment system has been shaped by experience. This adaptation produces characteristic organizational changes in the way the child's mind develops. This can be seen as a fundamental way in which the mind and patterns of communication of the adult directly shape the organization of the developing child's brain. So then think of small children who had prolonged maternal deprivation or harsh separations or the death of their mother. This can lead to serious disorders and create extreme hijackal behaviors. So when I was reading that quote from Daniel Siegel, did it, did it jump into your mind that if there were a per, if the person that you have in mind had this happen to them when they were very young, and that they, it affected the way their mind developed? that it's very, very difficult to go back and change a mind that has been developed in a particular way. Almost impossible. You can change some behaviors if people really, really want to, but how many hijackals take responsibility for the behaviors you wish they'd change? Most of them don't, right? So here we're beginning to see where this all fits together. You know, I know for myself, uh, when my mother, uh, she went away when I was just about two years old and she didn't come back for 18 months. It was something that never again, well, she came back very different because she had a complete mental breakdown and electroshock therapy. Um, so she'd been away, but if you if you hear what I just was reading about the child and harsh separations or prolonged deprivation from being with their mother, um, I didn't know her, and I didn't want to know her very much because she wasn't the person that I knew before. She was all prickly and cold and very hijackly, and so I kind of didn't have a figure in that place. So anxious attachment alone does not predict behavioral problems. But 
add in high stress and bam, that's when things go sideways. And these avoidantly anxiously attached people, the hijackals, are prone to personality distortions in adult life. And research shows that this can be at the core of narcissistic personality disorder. So if it's at the core of narcissistic personality disorder, it's also in the main fixings that go with other kinds of personality disorders like psychopaths or sociopaths, any antisocials or borderlines or histrionics. So I just want to add in another voice, and that's the voice of Heinz Kohut. He's a researcher, and he was primarily known for explaining narcissistic disturbance. And he believed that infants need deep and consistent appreciation. Well, you can't get it from a parent who is emotionally unavailable, unresponsive, inconsistent in all ways. You just cannot get deep and consistent appreciation. And another voice, Robert Karen, he wrote in a book called, that he called Coming, Becoming Attached. And he said this, babies crave having their performance validated. That's how they know they're doing well and going in the right direction. Babies crave having their performance validated. They need to be seen and loved for who they truly are and given an ongoing sense of belonging and being a valued family member. Without this, the child is unable to know or appreciate themselves and shrinks back into a sense of helplessness, smallness, deflectiveness, and shame which he may then defend against by clinging to infantile grandiosity, which one or more parents may promote. Whoa. So when the child can never be validated by a hijackal parent, because remember, the hijackal parent only validates their children when the children make them look good. So they don't intrinsically validate the child for doing something or succeeding at something or just being cute, wonderful, and present, then, of course, we're going to have difficulties. Are you beginning to see the patterns here? And are also you beginning to sit up and go, whoa, so what does this mean if I have had a child with a hijackal what has that child already taken in? A very, very important question to be asking at this point. Because hopefully, if you are with somebody or have been with somebody who is a hijackal parent to your children, you have been the balancing force that has given the children a different sense so they haven't only had the one force. But Robert Karen goes on to say, without corrective experience, which is what you would have been providing, without corrective experience, the child grows into an adult who constantly seeks the adulation and perfect union he never had as an infant. Outwardly, self-important, prone to pomposity, self-adoration, and an annoying attitude of entitlement 
The child is haunted by a fragile self-esteem. Whoa. Okay, again, that sounds right. It's certainly been proven by research over and over and over in the last 40 years. And that's the basis of what's going on. And again, you can't fix it. You can balance it out so your children don't see only one model, but you can't fix the hijackle. So all of that, that, you know, those wonderful, excuse me, those wonderful words, they're self-important, prone to pomposity, self-adoration, and an annoying attitude of entitlement. Well, that's the basis for the patterns, traits, and cycles that are most usual in hijackles, isn't it? They're self-focused. They blame everyone else for everything. They're always finding and deflecting fault. They have extreme emotional swings and out-of-proportion emotions. Little, very little, if any, empathy. And they use people rather than love people, just for starts. So you can see how this all comes together, right? And you can see why I wanted to share it with you so that you would really get that this happened long before you showed up on the scene, if you are their romantic partner. And if you were raised by one of these people, they did things that have caused you to turn out the way that you are. And you need to have the opportunity from listening to this to go back and say, hey, maybe I need some help too. And remember, I'm always here for you. If you want to talk to me, all you have to do is go to beaclient.com beaclient.com for a first time one hour full consultation beaclient.com now what happens if you're with a hijackle with borderline personality traits that are stemming from early ambivalent attachment well they're going to be impulsive and destructive and rageful and unending demands for special treatment and they want you to be round the clock available. And they want to be held in physical or sexual contact. And they want you to be perfectly in tune with them. Oh, yes. And they want you to make grand and heroic attempts to prevent them from injuring themselves or trying to commit suicide. And you know what? You'll only be repaid with contempt and reproach and hostility and sometimes outright physical attack. And they will say things to you like, do you really care for me? I'm going to make you prove it. What's the meaning of what you just did? You've turned against me. I'm alone and unwanted, and it's all your fault. Sound familiar? These things really happen. I'm not making this up. This is research. This is people spending their lives having a look at how they can help us understand what's going on, what we can do things about and what we can't do things about. So knowing this is background, I hope you can begin to see that someone else's hijackal behaviors intrinsically, yeah, yeah, you can poke the bear. And if you do that, I've said so many times, don't do that. But it, even before the bear is poked or even before the bear is spoken to, the bear and how the bear is, in this case, the hijackal, 
you can begin to see it has nothing to do with you. You can't make up for it and you can't change it. Most importantly, it's not your fault. So I hope by my excitedly and enthusiastically trying to inform you about all this, that it causes you to have a moment to see things differently. Take a few things off your burden. You're not causing this. No matter what you're accused of by the hijackal, it is highly unlikely that any of it is your fault because they can't stand anything to be their fault. So it has to be your fault. But if you understand what I've been saying to you today, I hope it relieves a burden. I hope it allows you to take a breath. I hope it allows you to take a step back and say, oh, that's so sad and unfortunate, but it has nothing to do with anything I have done or have not done or should have done or could have done or would have done, no matter what the hijackals said. So it's very important to understand the whole ideas of attachment and how they end up producing difficulties and disturbances in personalities and why when you meet a charming person who just sweeps you off your feet, makes you feel so seen and heard and known and valued and appreciated and you're so excited and then they slowly or quickly become someone you hardly recognize, someone you can't please then you can understand this. That's who they really are. That's the wounding that they got way earlier in life than you ever showed up. And it has nothing to do with you. But knowing these things and taking a step back and looking at them may be vitally important to have you understand what your next best steps are and what your best next steps are. And as I said, I'm always here to help you. That initial consultation, beaclient.com. We'll talk for an hour. We'll find out what we can do. And then we'll go from there. If you're enjoying this podcast and finding value, be sure to subscribe because then you will get a notification every time there's a new one. On Monday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific time, I do my live stream. And that is a topic each week where you can come on at that time, join in the chat and ask your questions as well. So an important thing, and that's on my YouTube channel at For Relationship Help, F-O-R Relationship H-E-L-P. And finally, go to my website, transformingrelationship.com. And join my membership program, Optimize Circles. If you'd like to be invaluable conversations, ask your questions, share experiences, be supported totally off social media because it is on my website. Just go to my website, transformingrelationship.com and click on the circles button and it'll tell you all about that. And there are three levels of membership, but each level of membership is only $5 for the first month. So invest the cost of a latte and glean valuable and invaluable information and insights. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm glad you were here. Please invite your friends to join in, ask them to subscribe, share episodes with them and I hope to see you here next week, at least to know that you were there. 
Always feel free to share comments. Come on over to the Facebook pages for this podcast, Save Your Sanity Podcast. Come over to the Facebook page, ask questions there, and engage with me. I'm here for you, and I hope that today you learn things that will allow you to be very, very good to yourself because you matter. Talk soon. I'm so glad you spent this time with me today. I hope you heard something that touched your heart and empowered you to move forward. You can have the life and relationships that you most want, and that begins with you within you today. I'm always here for you. Life can get better, and you heard that from me, the Relationship Help Doctor. I'm Roberta Shaler, and I work with clients throughout the world through video conferencing. We can talk. So learn more at 4relationshiphelp.com, F-O-R-relationshiphelp.com, or visit me on YouTube at 4relationshiphelp. Join me for next week's show.